and then bam, there we are. There we go. All right, you can hear me just fine? Yes, sir. All right, just got this. Uh, well, I've had this microphone for a long time, but I finally just got an interface, an audio interface. Hopefully, I don't disturb it while I touch it. But it's like an M audio. It's pretty nice, like uh, two line in, and uh, I think it's not not bad. Uh, it's one of the first audio interfaces I've had. Um, I should say it's not the one of the first audio interfaces. I've had a couple different ones, but this is a little bit cheaper as far as uh, some of them can get pretty expensive. So I went kind of uh, middle road, something that would sound better than just using my laptop because I was using my laptop for my audio pretty much up until today. Uh, yeah, I was so. listening to your, uh, your last, I think it was the last one with Neil. You guys were talking about that. You're like, oh, hey, I got one. I might as well use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. So it uh, sounds like you listened to a couple of them so far. Yeah, I tend to, uh, I travel a lot for work, oil field and stuff. So in the morning when it's like four in the morning, five in the morning, there ain't nothing good on the radio. I've already <laughs> heard all my music. So I'm like, I'm going to see what the race guys are talking about, man. Might as well keep cool. up with them. Cool. So, Thanks for the, I like the feedback. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. Yeah, I've actually learned quite, quite a bit of stuff just from listening. Like listening to Neil talk, listening to you talk about equipment and stuff. It's, it's you just grab a little bit here, a little bit there, and you start throwing it all in a little package and it starts working, you know? Hell yeah, I appreciate it. So this is uh, episode 114, uh, com podcast, uh, number 114 with Nick Kinsella. So thanks for coming cool. on and talking to me for an hour or so. Absolutely. Glad to be here, man. Thank you. And uh, I got no bullet points. We're just going to shoot the shit, uh, see what's going on. You're a local guy. Uh, you're in Bel Air, Michigan. I'm over yeah, in Sterling yep. Heights, so not too far away. No, not too bad. That's, a, that's like a three and a half hour drive. <laughs> I mean, we're not neighbors, but uh, same state. No. Yeah, I, I, I do a lot of work down your area, too. Very good. Oil field. Well, and uh, sounds like you are a racer yourself. So I want to get your story and uh, talk about your sponsors and your racing history and riding and all that. Absolutely, man. Heck yeah. Um, I guess I'll just let, let you have it then. Uh, basically, uh, from Kalkaska, Michigan, Rap City, Michigan area. It's been like a dream to just even own a crotch rocket my whole life. You know, like as a kid, I was riding my pedal bike and they'd fly past and I'd be like, oh, I got a Batman button. I can turn my bike into a rocket and you know, <laughs> start pedaling on and, uh, so then I, you know, grew up obviously and got some money and bought my first bike was a Kawasaki 650, like a 09 650. And back then I had no idea anything about motorcycles, engines, anything. I was a kid with some money and bought that. And I was like, yeah, 650 is faster than 600. It's got 50 more CC. No, <laughs> they're dogs. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, does got to that was riding uh street riding for years, got into the stunting and stuff for a little bit. And then up in Traverse City, the cops don't really find that too fond of ripping wheelies down downtown, you know. So that got me in some trouble. I was like, all right, well, I got to do something different here. So I picked up uh, my Aprilia. Uh, was it two years ago now? I picked that up, my first 1,000. I was like, yeah, I got to be with the big dogs, and I'll try doing this. And my buddy Josh got me to start talking about the track. He's like, we got to go to this track, man. And, you know, it'd be a lot better. We won't get in trouble and so on and so forth. And now we've been at the track for a year now, I think. So it's been it's been going really good. And then Aprilia, whew. Man, I'm, I'm, I was I was going to get a, a ZX-10. I walked in there in the Fox Power Sports of Grand Rapids with all intentions of buying a KRT ZX-10. I'm like, that's what I want. I've seen it. I've done all the follow-ups on it. It looks great. I walked in there. I seen the Aprilia, and I was like, can you start that for me? I just want to hear it real fast. And as soon as you started it, man, I was like, yep, I'll take it. He's like, no, no, let's go to Kawasaki. So I know what that Kawasaki does. I don't know what this does. <laughs> I want to take this. Hell yeah. And um, so how's that bike been treating you? I mean, phenomenal, man. Absolutely. If, if I could suggest a motorcycle for anybody who's already riding 1000s, I would say a Pro all day. They are more expensive to work on. They got their their different 
tweaks and twerks to them compared, you know, it's a V4 instead of an inline four. So it's just, it's a lot more base here. I feel it's a lot more power in the, you know, the lower ends, but still it carries that power from the low end all the way to the top end. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I've, I laid it down last race we had at Grattan, uh, laid it down every single day, unfortunately, just, just pushed myself beyond my own limits, what it was and grabbing too much front brake and this and that, but it was, it's held up amazingly for being laid down three times at 80 plus mile an hour. <laughs> and uh, so it sounds like the bike crashed as well. How are you faring? How are you doing? I'm doing fabulous, man. Uh, like I said, it was, it was the, it was the practice day was the first one. I laid it down. That was just uh, grabbing too much front brake, but low side off of turn three, I think it was. And the second, the first day, second race, it was uh, me and Billy, uh, Billy, you know, uh, Billy Ball, sorry. Billy Ball, yeah. And, yeah, Billy Ball, me and him were going neck to neck to neck, man. It was insane. Absolute, hands down, best race, best ride I've ever done in my life, for sure. And it was, um, we're going through the the S turns. I can't remember what numbers they are, but he was going wide and I was trying to cut him inside and I ended up just, just giving it too much, not keeping my bike up enough and eating it right there. Too much then, lean uh, angle? Yeah, oh yeah, way too much lean angle. Mm-hmm. I was, I just recently started touching knee. Uh, this year so like in the beginning of the year billy was actually teaching me how to be faster which is funny so i started touching knee and i was like oh man that's great so like i gotta do it all the time and thinking that i had to keep the bike lean with me when that's the exact opposite i found out <laughs> so you're so, too upright on the motorcycle you weren't leaning off enough and having too much yeah. uh, lean angle absolutely yep absolutely so i, I thought I was, you know i thought i was touching my knee i was good enough but no it wasn't enough yeah so actually um i've been getting into bikes a lot this year again uh in a big way doing a lot of track days and a lot of corner marshal weekends and things like that and uh i don't drag my knee nearly as much as i did before i think because it's like it's not important uh right you can go around the corner really fast and not even touch your knee a lot of times you have to eventually start bringing them up and closer to the fairings so that you can have actually that um you know the maximum lean angle sometimes uh because your knee be in the way if it's all the way down Absolutely. See, and that's, that's what I'm just now starting to realize. I feel like, you no, know, like, like I said, I just started touching knees. So then I went through a pair of boots and a pair of uh, knee sliders. I'm like, Holy smokes. Like <laughs> this is going to be expensive, man. Like how do I, but now I'm realizing that I can get the same speed with better angle and just keep my body, you know, my knees off the ground rather than trying to use them as a balance point. Yeah. I, I mean, some people use their feet on the ground a lot. That's a, that's a style, uh, yeah. but it has a place. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like you're talking about like throwing the leg out to the side and stuff. Yeah. Like using, using the Fred Flintstone style, you know, dragging yeah. your feet in the ground. What's wild is I've been, I've been trying to follow up on that, like trying to figure out why they do it and why, what does it cause and stuff. So this weekend I went for a ride for with a bunch of homeboys just on the streets and stuff. And I was like, just testing the theory, you know, come up to a corner. I was like, wonder if I throw my leg out, what's it doing? It was like mind blowing night and day difference <laughs> to me. I realized how much of a drag it puts on you and how you can just like, you know, it slows you down, use your front brakes, hold back. And then when you come to your turn, you just pick your foot back up and dive right into it. Yeah. You know? And they talk about actually weighting your foot pegs and it looks like, well, their foot's off the foot peg. Uh, they're yeah. not weighting it at all, but when they're get ready for the corner, their foot's back on that foot peg and it's not dangling any- anymore. And I'd say the majority of their weight is on that foot, the inside foot peg. Uh, oh, once you actually get into the corner, it helps turn the bike, you know, weighting your, your foot pegs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And also the outside of the tank, you know, putting your, your knee into that groove there with the tank is really helpful. And, yep. uh, but you're not really sitting down on the bike. People say, Oh, you're just sitting on down on a motorcycle, right? That's <laughs> no, not man, very physical. That thing. <laughs> you're wrestling a 400 pound machine around a racetrack at hopefully, you know, the limits of physics, depending on your skill level. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've, um, I mean, with the, the little time I've been doing this for, like, that was my second race and I got a first place in a couple of seconds. So I was like, wow, oh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to keep it, you know, stay humble. Like I'm, it was not luck. It was definitely skill, but it was definitely beyond my normal skill pattern. If it wasn't for being on a chase, uh, Eric Smith, Jeff Tate, Billy Ball and um, Foster and all them guys and Neil and stuff, I would be nowhere I'm at right now. You know, yeah. it was just going you know, to get the, because my first race we did in the beginning of the year, I grad and I got lapped by everybody. And then I got a free, you know, it's like, what was <laughs> I doing wrong? <laughs> How did I go from a 140 to hitting a 122? Like that's insane. That's awesome. Lap time, you know, I would even go as far to say that that's not a novice lap time. Right. That's why I'm, well, I'm just, like I said, I'm staying humble. I know I was fast, but the reason I was fast because Billy was right on my ass the entire time, you know, like, and it was, you know, the adrenaline rush and for, you know, second race, whatever. So that sounds like hoping. it's probably your home track. So you're more comfortable with uh, Grattan. You've probably done a lot of laps at Grattan. And yeah. uh, maybe if you go to a new track that you haven't been to, you might not pick it up as quickly. But, um, you know, just stay within your limits no matter where you go. Um, usually if it's a new track, I try to take it easy for the first, you know, little while because yeah. you just got to <laughs> soak it all in. And they say, you know, when you sleep on it, it really does help. So I think that's really important, too, is just, you know, have a calm day on Friday. Come out with a shiny bike. I mean, you still want to be pushing, but don't be reckless with it. Don't be um, going 121 percent. That's right. stupid, no, no, you know. Yeah, no. I mean, it was just. I think a lot I had to do with it is I had a I had a lot of family there. I had a lot of friends there, and like the entire time, you know, I was like, it was more of a dream to myself. You know, like if I, you know, go racing was a dream. Now I'm now I'm racing. Now win a first place is a dream. It's like I'm making small milestones and achieving them. But that was definitely reckless riding. I'll say at least for just sure. Riding over your head a, a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's uh, talking my front. That's. I don't do that. <laughs> you know, normal people don't do that. I can see like, you know, like sliding your ass end off and grabbing too much style or something, but I don't, you know, I'm, I'm really hard on the brakes too. Coming into the straightaway, you know, you're coming off straightaway in turn one. I just, they're basically doing a stop the entire way into it and cramming out. But, and the bus stop was never a problem for me. And I just, every single race, it was like my weakest point right there. I'm like, what, what is going on here? But I, I'm forgetting all my, my normal stuff I do. You know what I mean? Cause I'm like, Oh, I gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. You know? So. so it sounds like you're uh, fast, but you have to be a little bit more smooth on some of Absolutely. the some of the points, which is the hardest thing to do. I right. mean, uh, being able to just feel what the bike is telling you and listen to it and understand that if you push the front a little too hard here, it's like you can possibly go through that corner much quicker if oh, yeah. you are smoother. Through exactly. It, you know, yeah. like you can go up to the limit of 100 percent smoothly and sometimes go to 102 103 percent and still be on the bike and bring it back but if you get up to that 103 percent abruptly um you know cracking open the throttle or for it sounds like yeah. your your case maybe um too much on the brakes with too much lean angle or if you're trailing off um it's like you can be on the brakes 100 percent, but not 100 percent of the way through the corner at some right, point yeah, you're gonna have exactly. to let off or you're gonna overload the tire um yeah. so it's just understanding what that limit is and it just takes time sometimes oh yeah it's def i definitely i would say i'd need a lot more seat time that's for sure <laughs> like i'm I'm very green to this sport still and it's like 
as I'm learning all this stuff as we're racing. So um, as soon as I park my bike, I got my crew there, you know, my best friends and, you know, family friends and stuff. They take the bike, put the wire warmers on, let me worry about just strictly riding and stuff. And I'm in everybody's paddock, listen to everything, you know, like what's this, what's that, what's this. And that's, what's great about, you know, Grattan hometown with all the guys there. They're also, nobody cares if you're faster. Cause if you're faster, you're going to make them faster. You know I mean? <laughs> exactly. So, it's awesome. Like we, we, I rode with you a couple of times, uh, at Grant and stuff. And it's like, we never met before, never talked, but still it's like, whenever something happens on the track, it's like, it's like a family. It's insane. For sure. It's uh it's cool. We have pictures together, but we actually never met in person yet. So. Right. Right. Oh, um, that's right. <laughs> I feel like I've known you forever as much as we've been talking on social media. Now, you know. Yeah. Usually that's how it goes. Like, uh, people know me at the track now and I'm, uh, I'm like, I haven't, I don't think I met this person, but that's awesome. That's like, it's getting out there. People are actually listening to it. Um, I think I have over 33,000 views of the podcast in the last couple of years. So, uh, That's it's not awesome. nothing, it's not, you know, going viral or getting in the millions, but, uh, I just got to keep doing it and see where it goes. Right. Exactly, dude. That's, that's with anything, with anything in life, you know, racing, podcast, whatever it is. Like I just hit a thousand followers on, on Instagram and I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> I'm making it mom. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I did it. I made it. I do exactly. I know it's not, it's nothing crazy, but it's just one more person to get your name out there and maybe help, help you get where you need to be. You know, like you break apart or something. And you met this guy on Facebook at the track one day and he messaged, Hey, I live five miles away. Come grab this part. You know, it's like, for sure. That's, that's, that's what I love about it. The, it, the network and stuff. It's a community. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, so yeah. Is there anything on your mind you wanted to talk about today? I mean, just basically you, you've been to a lot of tracks, haven't you? Yeah. Quite I mean, a few. I've, I've been to Granton and Tally. That's it. We went to Tally in, uh, what was it, February this year. Talking and, Alabama, Tally GP? Yeah. Yep. yep. And uh, a tornado came through. I pitched a tent, got about six inches of water in my tent, ended up sleeping in a U-Haul truck, wake up in the morning, everything's frozen. Oh, it no. Was just, it was a terrible experience. At Tally. That was my <laughs> first time I laid the Aprilia down. And it was just just horrible. But, yeah, I've only been to those two tracks and like, I'm um I'm looking to explore in a better you know faster tracks. Obviously, Grattan's a really technical track. Everyone says if you can do Grattan, you can do any track. But I don't I don't I mean I agree with it, but I don't. You know what I mean? Cause there's I may be good in technical you know short quick 40 50 mile an hour corners. But when you get me at 110 115, maybe that's my limit. You know, you know when you're coming up to a corner. So my I guess my real question is like what what would you suggest for like from Grattan where to go to next? You know, um you've been to Gingerman. No, I haven't been to Gingerman yet. I would say, I mean, it's a cl close home track, South Haven, Michigan, I believe it is. Not too far away from Granton, actually. And uh, I've been there a bunch of times. Now, as far as, like, what's the best track? I mean, that's kind of subjective. There's not really... Right. Oh, yeah, not the best track. But, I mean, like, coming from, like, obviously, I, I race in the Northeast region. So, I mean, I figure I wanted to do all of them tracks, obviously. But, I mean, like... I don't know. I guess. I guess I don't know what I'm really asking right here. I, no, I got some. I got some information. Like uh, I can talk forever about tracks. Um, right. So I'd say like Nelson Ledges is a is a close track that's pretty fun. The layout is awesome. It's one of the fastest average speed tracks of any place around that I can think of. That's what. I'm um, but however, don't crash there. Uh, right. it's, it's kind of a dangerous track. It's an old school track. It's lined with tires the whole time. And when we race there. I can't remember a whole lot of air fence ever being used, um, unfortunately. So I would say something like Barber is a little bit farther. But if you're already going down to Alabama, it's not that far. Um, right. So Barber Motorsports Park is one of the best tracks in the country. Um, the facilities are beautiful. They don't actually have garages 
I mean, there's a couple of them under the pavilion, but there's not a whole lot of space right. there. So um, most people bring the canopies anyway, which is is pretty common. Um, but uh, but yeah, beautiful facility. They have artwork everywhere. They have a museum there that I would highly recommend anybody go to. It's just fabulous. They have uh, decades and uh, of all, all different sorts of machines and different technology that's been developed over the years. It's just uh, amazing. And they rotate bikes. So if you go next year or the year after, you you will see different machines out there. Um, awesome. I think there might be a thousand different machines on the floor at any one time, but they have up to maybe 2000 that they own uh, from race cars and Formula One to the first motorcycle ever built, like all kinds of stuff. Oh, oh that's wild. It's, it's amazing. And then current modern race bikes, you know, MotoGP, Moto America, Daytona winners. Uh, it's, it's an awesome place to go. That's but wild. uh there's other tracks like i just came from the milwaukee mile um, yeah oh, the bag, that? bagger racing league brl uh first time doing that as a track marshal for them for that organization and it was really cool they had like six different classes i couldn't name them off the top of my head but uh it was really fun i have the poster right over there um hold on one second um i'm gonna go grab it so this is a poster from the Milwaukee Mile, September 2nd to the 4th. Battle of the Baggers presented by Custom Dynamics and Drag Specialties. And uh doesn't say any of the classes, but you can see some of the different machines that, and bikes on there. That is awesome. Heck yeah. So uh, it was a good time. Um, you drive Milwaukee you... Mile in West Allis, Wisconsin. So that was like six hours or six and a half hours. Um one way for me to drive there, but, uh, it's free camping. So marshals get, you know, camping at the track. And, uh, I always ask for discounts on everything cause I'm working oh, there yeah. and driving six hours to, to be a marshal. So usually they really appreciate it. And so the first day I got a free bag of chips at the, the concession <laughs> line second day and every other meal after that, I asked again, I was like, you know, I work here. Um, and they gave me free food after that, which is awesome. That's and awesome. not all the marshals do that. I'm like, I'm, I'm poor. I need help. Can you please right. help me? <laughs> that's that. That's that track love, man. Like I was, I just missed the the pass, the Grand Reverse. I ordered time and everything. I was supposed to get it. I'm working down here in Grand Rapids, right next to the track, like ten miles. Can hear the bikes ripping, but I had to work all the Saturdays. <laughs> um, uh, track mama Jeannie, she uh, she got a hold of me on Facebook and stuff. She's like, hey, I made you a plate of food. Still come to the track after work. So I still got to go over there, hang out with the fan, everybody and stuff. So awesome. That was, that's that's that loving sport you're talking about, though. I, I love that for sure. Going back to different tracks, uh, Mid Ohio is a great track, um, but uh, the surface is not the best. It's a cool nope. layout, but they really kind of need a repave. So whenever I went there, I always had that mentality: I got to take it easy because I know the track is isn't doesn't have as much grip as some of the others. In fact, yep. Moto America doesn't ride there anymore, and now IMSA I think is going to be the first year that they're not going there anymore. So two major professionals. Uh, racing companies for cars and bikes are are deciding to not use their facility anymore until they get a full repave because you cannot ride in the rain either four wheels yeah. or two it's just not safe um people are sliding off going half pace sometimes yeah, so that. no one wants to deal with that it's like Grattan morning nobody wants that <laughs> and uh that's mid ohio's a track that never pays their track marshals so i went there once uh, for the vintage days and i volunteered but i'm like i can't go there anymore because i just i need to make money doing this i'm not here just to volunteer unfortunately i i'm not in that position right now to be able to do that so um like next weekend uh this coming weekend i'm going to new jersey for moto america and they do pay 
Um, so as a marshal, I'm going to be, you know, up, up at front and close at one of the corners helping out. Usually I've been, uh, a track marshal. So the guy picking up the motorcycles out there instead right. of waving the flags. But like this past weekend at the bagger racing league, we only had seven track marshals and oh, some wow. of the moto America, I'd say, I would say moto GP events, the bigger ones, we have 500 track oh. marshals. Oh yeah. So we had seven people who, who showed up. <laughs> like, are you joking me? Seven. This is like, how? What are we gonna do with seven people? So uh, we had nobody basically picking up bikes. We just were flagging, and if right. somebody crashed, we just red flagged it because right. uh, yeah. the bike's seven hundred pounds anyways. I mean, how are you yeah. gonna pick up one of these by yourself? If the rider's injured, it's like, can I? I, I need your help. Can you please? <laughs> can you please can you help, help me. Get your bike up, and then we'll get to stretcher, man. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, there's a couple of times that uh, I brought my supermoto, which is a great idea. I'm going to always do that from now on. Um, I loaded it in the back of my truck and put it in the pickup truck and drove there, but uh, rode the supermoto around the paddock as my pit bike. And it was really helpful because at turn uh, between five and six, what we call it for the Milwaukee mile, um, mm -hmm. they have a chicane there and all the time, people would hit the chicane. It's like curbings, rubber curbings and move the cones and knock the cones out of the way. So I would have to go out there and fix it and reset it after the end of every session. So it was kind of nice to be able to do that. But, uh, yeah, it'd be a lot of walking if not. <laughs> yeah. So there was a guy who was right across from it. He was the chicane guy. He's like chicanery bike 34, you know, no advantage or, or advantage, whatever the case was. And, uh, but I guess there was a big Valley, that he didn't really want to cross. So I got to go from turn six to the chicane, which wasn't too far. And they were telling me like, we want you to go really quickly, do it as fast as possible. So I'm like, you're telling me you want me to race my bike on the track from the chicane. He's like, yes, right. do it, please. I'm like, all right, awesome. All thanks. Right. I got permission so from the, doing that. <laughs> I got the permission from the race director to do it. So I was like, this is what I was looking for. This is awesome. That's awesome. I'm getting paid to do it. Heck so, yeah. It's not a ton of money, but it helps with, you know, I, paying for gas and food and you know whatnot right that's just gotta be an experience of a lifetime they'll be able to do what you do right now you know what i mean it's like every single guy's dream <laughs> Go it's awesome motorcycles around tracks and stuff and, you know get become a coach and be able to race on them and stuff yeah it's awesome dude I'm we need more people if anybody's looking to do it i mean it's not an exclusive thing like it doesn't take long to get trained it's like an afternoon and then you're you're trained there's no certificate it's just uh okay there's like a experienced veteran who shows you the ropes and then like, okay, now you're good. Let me know if you have any questions and you just learn more as you go. And like certain incidents are worse than others. You know, right. a lot of, most of the time when people crash at the racetrack, they just get up and walk away and they're pissed off and they go to their bike. If it's salvageable and they try to ride back in and they might have to retech at certain organizations or they can finish the race and others. But um, most of the time people are what's called self cleaners. They they pick their themselves up and they keep going. Yep, and we don't we don't have to intervene at all. I'd say most of the crashes are like that. Um, the very first crash I attended to, the guy didn't move when he crashed. He didn't get up. I was like, oh shit, not oh, good. Shit. Got real. The oh, first God. one. I was like, are you kidding me? Um, the <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he that that ended up being red flag. That was at Blackhawk Farms, um, and you can't talk about the person. You like you can't identify somebody's. You know, it's it's all like anonymous, okay. confidential. So I would never say who it was. I don't even remember the guy's name, to be honest. Um, but um, he ended up having like a broken collarbone and he was on that side. So uh, 
he was like, everything hurts. I don't know. I don't want to move. was his answer. Like he was conscious. He was fine, but he was like, I don't know what to do. My body hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we got to move you at some point, bud. (laughs) I was like, and, and at that point, we are not EMS. We are like first responders and we can like call for ambulance, which is already running 30 seconds away. But, um, we can't actually like pick up the rider and pull them towards us. Or like, you know, if they're asked for assistance to like lean on you, you can give them a hand, but you can't pull them because what if they have a broken arm or something, you could make it, make it worse. You know? So you kind of can't really do anything. You can like attend them. Like, are you okay? Do you need an ambulance? But you can't really help them in any big way. So most of the time, it's like, okay, we'll move the motorcycle, get the bike out of the way. And if they end up getting up, you can still continue the session. And there's no hazard if they can usually walk over to the guardrail. They're just stunned for a second. And we can continue. But if they're down for the count, red flag, red flag, all stations, red flag. It comes over the radio. And then the crimson comes out. And... um, Usually a waving yellow in that corner or then the ambulance flag. Yeah. I wish they would uh, let you pick if your bike was good, pick up, keep going at where I forgot, man, because both spills I did, I picked it up and I, the last one I did, I thought I was done for Max. My, my brake levers, I already bent down twice. So we took a torch to it, heated it up. And the last time I did it, it had a stress crack through it. So like uh, at the corner, I'm just waiting for it to snap off. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's, it's weird, but I picked it up and I looked at it. I'm like, we're good, man. Look at the corner worker. And he's like, go, go, go. Well, <laughs> you know, the meatball you the second you went past the checker and stuff if, if you didn't go in tech up. But what what, what organization lets you uh, do that? Uh, well, like MotoGP or the bigger oh, organizations, okay. I'd say yeah. Moto America, you can still finish. In fact, okay. at uh, Barber last year, I was a flag marshal there and it was raining. It was super wet. Uh, last round of the year. I think we had 64 bikes down in a single day. Holy crap, dude. <laughs> and a- uh, the, the top, I think in Superbike, the top three finishers all crashed. Oh, wow. And the remounted picture. and still finished on the podium. Oh, that's crap. how wet it was. That's insane. So, like, yes, everybody yeah. was crashing. It was like, you didn't crash? That's impressive. Everybody crashed. Right. <laughs> I, I haven't rode the rag. I've rode on the streets in the rain at 60 plus mile an hour, but it's not nowhere near the same as riding track, you know. So, like, take it I- easy. Take it easy for sure. So, I. I'm uh I've crashed a bunch of times in the rain. It's so easy to do. Um, you can you can accelerate, you can brake, you can turn, but you can't combine any of them in the rain. You got to be super oh, careful. Um, exaggerate your body position still, but uh, less lean angle. I mean, you can still drag your knee in the rain if you're on rain tires. You know, you right. have to be the right tire for the condition. Don't run slicks in the rain. That's not good. Yeah. You know, but you you can do it. It's possible. But, yeah. um, you know, if it's like a drying track, people make those decisions to put maybe DOT or an intermediate or you maybe a full I slick. Puddles or I want to miss them, you know, yeah. Like I know Josh Heron took a gamble at Barber and he was on slicks. I was like, oh, that's not going to work. And actually I thought like, oh, something's wrong with his electronics. Cause you could hear his traction control just going crazy everywhere because mm-hmm. it's just slipping up, at, you know, every time he touches the throttle. Right. Yeah. That's, you see, I, I need to get another set of rims for my Aprilia. I have, I've been cheap and have, I bought everything else for the damn thing, but except for the, the most important thing, your wheels. <laughs> uh, but uh, I got to get another set of rims and good luck trying to find a set of rain tires right now. I've been trying to ask uh, I think Dave at Michelin, trying to find a set, a set. And he's like, yeah, dude, they're like obsolete right now. Wow. That's uh, it's hard to come by. You know, sometimes it's, uh, you might have to switch to another brand. Um, it's like blasphemy, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah, I'm not almost <laughs> gets that over here. I'm not switching. <laughs> well, no, just because you need a tire, I mean, there's there's a lot of different brands out there that would be comparable or acceptable. Um, just not might not be your your favorite or your sponsor's brand. Right. Well, I ain't got a tire sponsor yet, but I mean, I, I'd be open to definitely using a different style of rain tire or any rain tire for that matters because it's gonna be brand new to me regardless. You know, I'm obviously a diehard with Michelin's right now. There's they're working great for me and uh it's the availability at the track you know dave's right there who he's got somebody there all the time and that's why i buy 500 hour tires off the internet when he's got it there for the track price you know so and i support you know i try they help me i help them you know what i mean for sure yeah. and uh some of the 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 race events not just the track time events but the race events will usually have multiple tire vendors yeah. do they still do that now they have maybe pirelli and dunlop and michelin yeah you know, they had uh pirelli and dunlop there last time but I, I ran uh, Dunlops and Tally, which the guy sold me sold me some Dunlops. I probably should have never been on slicks. It was way too cold for one. I had nowhere near the experience to be on slicks for two. So I, I got a bad taste in my mouth just from that. But from uh, everybody else's experience and guys who are fast to me, I talked to and stuff. They absolutely love the hell out of them. And, uh, I, I mean, we'll see how it goes, you know. I, I'm happy with my Michelins. If they start doing something I don't like, I'll be open to something else. Like, I'm not, you know, diehard. But right now, I'm a Michelin fan <laughs> for sure. Sure. So tell me about your uh, progression in track days. I assume you did a bunch of track days and everybody usually starts in novice to go to intermediate, advanced, before you get to novice racer, expert racer, professional. So tell me about your your progression and how that was so far. Well, we went to, like I said, uh, what was it? This year we make, mark a full year that we've been going track. Uh, we started last year and uh, was it September, August or something like that? Uh, maybe July, maybe July, maybe it was that soon, but. But we started there, obviously novice. Me and my buddy Josh showed up. The you know the instructors were like, "Well, have you ever rode track before?" Oh no, no. And they're like, "Well, this ain't like the streets, man." We thought in our heads we're some couple of BAs and you know riding the streets hard as hell. This and that. Like, okay, so we're intimidated now. And we hit the track and went through the whole novice thing. And it was like, you know, this it's really ain't that hard. You know, like I get it. You don't get a feel. For it. it was nice that we went through that though. Like I'm super glad that they make you do that because otherwise we went out there and dumped our bikes in a heartbeat and like probably hurt somebody else or hurt ourselves because there's a lot of things that we thought we knew that we didn't know you know so like the the first day of riding uh novice you know in the first half they make you ride slow and then they break you loose once they broke us loose we're like you know balls to the walls so we're passing everybody's going ham like oh yeah we got this and then we, so we started in the back of the packs you know they let you out group by group so we started in the very last and then we realized we lapped everybody again it's like holy <laughs> shit like we're ready to move up and uh I don't know. I can't remember what instructor it was, but he, he, we him and me were kind of going at it for a minute. He was obviously faster than me, but he chased me down to my paddock and stuff. And he's like, Hey, you need to get bumped up. I'm like, Oh, all right. Like, hell yeah. If you think so, then absolutely. <laughs> so went the next day, ran intermediate. My boy Josh got bumped up the next day. And then we went, I think two more times for Grattan. Cause that's the only tracks we've been. Then it was the end of the year. Hit tally in February. Absolute disaster. We both wrecked our bikes several times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got rain down, snow down. You name it, it happened. Come back up here, hit Gratton again. He had a rough time, uh, an intermediate, uh, getting the right tires, his bike underneath him properly, his mindset. It was just, just wasn't a good mix. He laid it down a couple of times, and I, I was doing all right. And then we did that first race uh, this year for Wera, and it was just like an eye-opener, like, wow, we are slow. <laughs> <laughs> we thought we were faster than intermediate beating them guys and stuff, and no, absolutely not. If I had any – as suggestions for anybody i say blow through get your novice down make sure you pay attention though and take in what they're telling you because it does help like i thought it was a you know a classroom like oh yeah just shut up i'm gonna go on my bike but no that 
that's very important. The details they teach you in the beginning for sure. And then intermediate, I would say running intermediate for a year. Absolutely. Until, until you like are beating everybody and laughing at everybody, it's staying intermediate. Cause once you get in advance, it's a whole other game, you know, I just got uh, bumped up in advance this year ever since my Billy actually, he was my coach for bumping me up, which is mind blowing. And now I'm paying his ass on the race days, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, he just bumped me up in advance and like, I was slow, 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 but just putting yourself, like if you have to ask yourself, am I ready or am I not ready? If you have to question it, you're only going to find out one way. Just, you know, when it's, when you don't think you should jump, that's when you need to jump. So that way you can keep on, you know, progressing. And now they're, um, Jeff and uh, Billy, they're both uh, – I know Jeff's expert now. He got a novice finally for racing. And Billy, I'm pretty sure he's going to get white plates for this last race in uh, Nelson Wedges it is. And they're all, you know, hey, get your white plate. It doesn't, it doesn't matter about them plaques. Them plaques don't mean nothing. I'm like, I've only done two races, guys. I'm like, <laughs> this, this is my first full year on a track, man. Like, Yeah, like, take it really easy. Like, it does, <laughs> yeah. even if you're winning, like, you shouldn't just bump up. I do a full season, you know. Oh. Like, I would say yeah. um, just – even if you didn't do the full races, like maybe it would be good to do a full novice season next year and, and stay as a novice. Um, you know, that's not a bad idea. You'll get some hardware for sure. You'll be the guy to beat if you're doing 22s at Grattan. Um, I mean, I won in novice 10 years ago with 25s on a 600. Um, so I thought 25s are like, that's, those are kind of novice times, but you're on a different machine. You're on a faster bike. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's that straightaway that gives me a couple seconds for sure. But it's like, it's wild too, man. Like everyone keeps on telling me to get a 600, get a 600. Like I want to. I I owned all 600s before this this Aprilia. So like I, I want to take a 600 on the track and feel, you know, because I know it's a lot wider. It'd be like, it be different apex, you know, because like everyone says in the 600s, you apex that you're supposed to on the on thousands, you 90 everything off. So like I was trying for the longest time to apex the damn thing and it wasn't going for me at all. I'm like, come on, like <laughs> just work with me. I was fighting the bike the entire time. And um, I think it was Pete Eckhart said something like, you're not supposed to fight. If you feel you're sore and you feel like your arms are tired and everything's all tensed up, that's not right. not doing it right, man. You got to you got to listen to the guys around the thousands corner, your corner, you know, 90 your corners off and quit fighting the bike and just have fun. And like it just clicked for me that day. And I just, I realized, I wasn't so tense. I wasn't coming off the track with like arm pump and stuff and all like, oh, you know. So, I mean, that's uh, yeah. I, I definitely want to try a six hundred for sure. I want to get second bikes that way. If I do crash, you probably can't make it out of it. I hope to God it doesn't ever happen, but <laughs> not if but when. But so, yeah, you ride six hundred, right? Yeah, I've always been in the six hundred class. Um, but there's a possibility it might be on a BMW S one thousand R. Uh, in the next coming little while here, so we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, I've always been in the 600 class, but always raced up in other classes. So 600s, 750s, 1000s, I've raced many yeah. times, but not having that extra horsepower, you got to fight for it every every chance you can get. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Like, like Logan Neal, he's running, what, a, a 119 on a 600? Like, what? <laughs> it's <laughs> possible. To... Oh, it's, it's absolutely, he's done it. I mean, it's... it's... I've, it's insane how much just uh, watching the other guys and stuff just helps. You know, like you try to get tips and tricks off them, but they're not gonna tell you everything, obviously. But even when you, I, I do a lot of, I have people take a lot of pictures and stuff for the sole fact everybody wants your social media and just for learning. Like I'm like, get me, get the guy in front of me, and get the two guys behind me, so that way I can put us all together. And I can see, you know, corner for corner where everybody's at and their bike and how it's looking. It's I've, I've felt like a, I don't know how you say, like a superhero. It's the closest thing to flying I can say you do when it comes <laughs> yeah. out of. That's turned on Grattan onto the straightaway. 
and you know you got your bike just stood straight up but your knee and your face is an inch from the ground you know it's like that's just bliss for me right there but that i realized by doing that though like you watch, you watch them, they'll put their body off, and then they'll be going through the corner, and then you'll see him extend him and his little brother. Um, oh, what's his little brother's name? I can't think of it. Uh, Neil's little brother, do you know? Uh, Ryder, or is it Chase? Ryder, yep, yep, Ryder. I ride with you know, he was in my class too, and you watch him, they'll go in the corner, and they'll set it right here, and then right for the apex, they'll, like, they'll extend it even more, and it's like they're just gone. Yeah. Like, okay, I had a half a lap. <laughs> yep. You got to stand the bike up, get it on the meat of the tire before you really get on the throttle harder exactly and i i'm just falling on my face with that lately i don't know i, I just because you know i'm, I'm i want to be fast i want to be the, the the quick guy so i'm i'm cracking way too soon i'm not in the body position I'm, I'm messing everything up it's not smooth at all it's all just abrupt hurry up maybe it'll work and if it doesn't work i gotta make the next one so, so when you're going through a, the corner yeah, you, you end uh your trail breaking and then when you're trying to open that throttle the, the fastest guys are getting to one, two, three, five percent, just enough maintenance throttle that you're transferring the weight to the rear. Once you transfer the weight, you can open it just ever so slightly. Then you can start applying it smoothly, evenly, consistently throughout the remainder of the corner. Yeah. And you can see it in my tire where I just, it was all brakes, cracking throttle, all brakes, a little ascent, losing it all over the place and all. Everybody's come off track like Nick. You're gonna dump it, dude. It's looking terrible. I'm like, I know, I know, but you know, <laughs> just being, I'm just being giddy about it. I guess you know, I'm still overexcited. So now it's time to really crack down for, like you said, next year I want to run novice. Now I mean, I'm not, I don't want to sandbag though. If I if I go out there and I do three races at three different tracks, which I know is not gonna happen, I'm gonna get beat by people, you know. But if it did happen, I would absolutely move myself up. But I think, like you said, the best thing for me now is to get a full year novice and learn different things, you know, and, and work my way up slowly rather than just trying to go balls to the wall. With it. Oh yeah. So that's that's that. definitely respectable. That's not sandbagging. You haven't done a full season yet ever. So right. you haven't been <laughs> to all the tracks. Like uh, you're going to learn today. You're going to find yeah, out that exactly. some tracks you go to you're like, Oh man, I'm like six seconds off the pace right now. And then as you go faster and you, you learn the track better, you get quicker. Usually uh, some people plateau for some reasons, but um there's always, you know, a lot of times, even if you're racing a novice, you'll be gridded up with the experts. It might be a, a one wave race or a two wave race where they're separated by a couple seconds. But even in those two wave races, there's usually some experts um, that aren't as quick as they maybe could be, or for whatever reason, they're off pace. So uh, they miss their setup, who knows? Um, and so a lot of times the novices end up catching some of the slower experts. And that's always a cool feeling as a novice, like, I'm ahead of the white plates, you know, a couple of them, at least, you know, it's, it's a confidence boosting thing. Um, but, uh, try to win the race overall. It's, that's almost unheard of. Like, oh, yeah. uh, I've gotten third place as a novice overall with the experts. And there was maybe, uh, eight to 10 experts in the race and getting third place overall. It's like, that's a, that's pretty cool. I guess I'm doing really well at this one. Yeah, that's good. See, that's what sucks too. Is because like, the races I've been to so far, there's only been like three, four guys, you know, so we're riding. It's Eric Tate, me, Billy, and a couple, two other guys. You know what I mean? So it's like those two are up front. Like I said, my first race, everybody lapped me. I was like, you know, that feeling in your head when you're like, you got family there and this and that, and you're like, you're getting lapped and all your people like paid money to come see you. And you're just like, <laughs> up your helmet, like, why can't I go faster? <laughs> That's how you got to learn. You got to start there. Like I got lapped my first race, my first race, um, was in mixed wet conditions. It was like a drying track. It had rain, but it wasn't raining now. And uh, so I went out on DOTs. I was like, 
I'm just gonna go see how it is. Like I don't know. I've never ro- really rode like this at the racetrack before. I don't have rain tires. I don't have a second set of rims. Um, I didn't have the money to buy extra tires anyways. If I had, you know, I was just doing it on a shoestring budget, just trying it out. And the, the thing is, the first two races you do, you're a provisional novice. So they just want you to get through the weekend and not crash, and then you're like an official novice. So I'm yeah. like, that's all I'm trying to do. I'm just going around, going out there, putzing, and I hope I don't get in anybody's way too too much, you know, right. too badly, and uh, just trying to see the checkered flag. That's the whole point is just coming home, bringing the bike home, nice and shiny, and uh, maybe a couple of new bug bug splatters on it. And right. uh, that's it. That's don't it. crash. Just go out there, yeah. ride around. Don't crash. And then that was my first race. I didn't do that well. I don't think I got last, but uh, I definitely got laps. And then uh, right. like the next race I went in, my buddy Amar, who uh, who actually just bought his motorcycle, oh, um, but yeah. uh, we were been riding together for for a decade or so. And uh, he's like, oh, I heard the call over the announcements. I, I didn't hear the call. I'm like, I, tr- I trust you. Let's go out. We were in the same race, 600 class. And it turned out to be the wrong race. Um, oh, you got called in the wrong race. So, uh, <laughs> we got disqualified. Um, oh, so we just didn't get points. But right. uh, I finished the race. I think we ended up going in the 750 Superbike race. And I, I like I passed some people. It was drying up more by that time. So like I was going faster and getting more comfortable. And that was at least my second or third race of the day. And so I got disqualified from one of the, my, one of my first races, but it was still like a great experience. Cause I was like, that was great. I was past people like uh, me and this guy battled a couple of times back and forth. Um, it's just fun to go through that and, and learn when you're out there. Yeah. yeah it's it's a, quite the experience. Like the best way I explain it to people, the racing compared to riding, like, you know, a, a, a sport bike track time day compared to a wear a day world of difference and then everyone's telling me you go from a wear a day to a moto america day it's a world of difference i'm like okay i want to go try a moto america day like go to a pit or something like that and check it out you know see what it's all about but like i just try i tell everybody it's like the stt days are practice days you know they're supposed to be fun but at the same time when you're out there having fun if you want to do this you're doing it so you're, you're burning money regardless so if you, know, you might as well make your money worth it you know that's that's the way i look at it like if i'm spending money on tires already i'm doing you know track time gas this and that I got to get something out of it. So I'm going to push myself, just not to the absolute max. And then race day comes and I'm still learning. So I'm trying to learn these things. I might practice runs while chasing these guys. And then like, to me, when it comes to race day, I'm going to crash. I just have it in my head. I'm going to lay it down. I don't want to, it's not intentional by any means, but I know I'm not as fast as these guys right now. They're going to be doing some stuff. I'm going to be trying that I've never done before. So just, it's going to be happy, you know? But I think I feel like having that mentality has definitely got me a lot further than what I would be if I would have went into it cautiously, you know. Like obviously, you know, it's I got a nice bike, it's expensive, but I look at it as I can buy them every day. But now when it comes into a reckless wise, like if I'm endangering other people and myself, then I now I know when it's time to pump the brakes, you know. Cause like the first time I got passed by somebody, I was like, Whoa, you know, like, <laughs> holy shit, buddy, give me some space here. And I thought about it like, oh yeah, we're racing. And then the next weekend, we were at a practice, practice day, and uh, my first first time in advance, I was coming into the bowl. I was, I guess, I must have been going too slow because somebody packed their bike right into my ass cheek, like literally riding and slammed into me. I'm oh, like, man. <laughs> what, what is going on here? You know, but if you ain't bumping, you ain't racing. They say, but it's, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'd rather. I just don't want to be the cause for anybody to wreck. You know, what I mean, you never want to be that guy. For sure. Like, as long as you're consistent and you're not erratic and you're holding your line and you're not changing your line halfway through the corner or like 
one time uh me and this guy had a collision together it wasn't an accident it was completely his fault but uh like <laughs> he, he was we we're at road atlanta i'm not gonna say names but we we're at road atlanta going into the heaviest braking zone on the track going down the hill uh, six gear pinned you know and uh downhill braking zone and he is like it's a left-hand turn He's on the left-hand side of the track, like a quarter away from the grass, like that that quarter of the track. Right. And I'm on the curbing on the right-hand side of the track where you should be. Right. And at the last second, he just swoops all the way over into the braking zone. And I'm like, I had to let off the, the brake because I had nowhere else to go. I was on the far edge of the curbing on like the rumble part of it um, on the corner entry, which you don't really want to be. I was just trying to stay off of the grass. And uh, he still hit me like his bike hit my bike and I just let off the brake and I kind of went deep into the corner, you know, and I kept it on the pavement. But it's like, what are you doing, man? Like, why? Why would you take that line? That's so dangerous. Right. And uh, educated. So there's like... there's a point where you can like swoop back. You can make one move and then come come back over, but not in the braking zone. No, you don't want to yeah. do that in the braking zone. We're already hard on the brakes. That's just right. stupid. Yeah, it's ignorant as hell. You know, I agree. I, I mean, I, I've ran into a lot of that too. Obviously, me being you know reckless as hell, I, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I go to the very last seconds where I think I'm actually gonna lose it if I don't break right now. You know what I mean? So like, you come in a lot of people or off to the left and going to apex. If I'm hanging on the right, so I can cut them and get it sooner. You know what I mean? But I've run into a lot of situations where I'm like just smashing my brakes still harder than I should be, just so that way I give them the right way because they were already there. You know what I mean? I, I don't. I don't want to cut nobody off. And I have done it before and I found them afterwards. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, no, no, it's okay. It's like, no, it's not okay. Dude. Like, <laughs> I don't want to hurt you. This is not that serious, you know? Yeah. Like, it's hard to race with a big heart, you know? You got to be ruthless sometimes, but respectable. <laughs> you do. And when you get it back, you got to be, you know, accept it. You know, you can't be like, oh, no, F you. You know, you can't. <laughs> you know, I, I always try to make sure I make a good, clean pass. Because if it's not a good clean pass, they're just going to come by you the way you came by them. And exactly. it might not be so nice when they do it. Right, exactly. When so, me and Bill haven't had it, man, it was it was definitely a lot of dirty passing in there. <laughs> <laughs> side by side. It was it was both. We were both in the same mindset. I'm not letting him win. No, Billy, no. I'm sure he was screaming his helmet at me, too. That <laughs> was just, that was like, uh, hands on the best ride I've ever done. You I just got to leave uh, room to race. Exactly, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So now was, did you Oh go ahead. And I was just saying I was watching the Formula One race and they're going around at the Dutch Grand Prix and they're not leaving room to race. It's so common for like Formula One or I guess more car car racing because they are so much more protected to not leave room to race, to like right. to like drive them off the track basically. The the car might be you can see his wheels are next to the driver's cockpit. Uh, he's alongside you. You have to leave some room there, but they don't always do that. And it's like, that's rude. I, like, I don't appreciate that kind of racing. Like, I understand that that will keep you in front, but that's, it's rude. Like, you have to leave room to race as a motorcycle racer, racer predominantly. Um, you could kill somebody if you don't leave room to race. It's like, it's that's serious. You can't just run them off the racetrack because you wanted that piece of tarmac. Right, exactly. <laughs> want to play and say you're number one yeah no no I, and i seen that happening with me and billy going back and forth too man so he'd always catch me at the bus stop going straight away he was down 10 horsepower on his bike he found out later so i'd get him on the straightaway then we'd meet back up halfway around the track and the carrier come to the bus stop and he's beating me i'm like ah, just wild <laughs> as hell 
Right. I, I just hope my uh, I'm gonna try and make Nelson's Ledge. Um, was it this month? Ain't it? Uh, yeah. I'm gonna... Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think that one's on my radar. I think I got another event that weekend. Okay, well, it's, I'm pretty sure it's like the 27th or something this month. I'm going to try and hit the Friday and the practice day because I had never been there, obviously. Yeah. So I'm going to go easy on it Friday and then actually race, but not like full balls of the wall because I still don't know the track. It took me almost a full, you know, six months, eight months of racing grad and every chance I got to know it as well as I do. You know, I still hit that track every time. Like, okay, let's go easy on the flow. Let's figure out where everything's at again, you know? Yeah. And like I said, don't crash there. So you need to have – I think you might need to change your mindset about going out there because some of these tracks, if you're going to crash at Nelson ledges and some of the spots, you're going to hit a tire wall and be in the hospital. Okay. Um, like I've crashed myself and it was just a, it was a high side. It wasn't the end of the world. I was fine, but I ended up crashing into a guardrail at 120 miles an hour. That was Shit. not protected with yeah. anything. Uh, it made a head like a one inch piece of crappy foam in front of it. Um, but yeah, man, I was it. Uh, it can change your life, and it kind of took me out of racing for a little while. Um, oh, I might have might have lost them there. So yeah, I would just say be careful where you crash. Um, like some of these places, think of it as like you're going to the Isle of Man, and you can't crash. Oh, um, like That's there's there's honestly a lot of corners like that at some of these tracks that you just maybe not going a hundred percent because the consequences are grave. They're, they're, they're right. not good. So uh, just take that with a grain of salt. Like even Barber has guardrails. A lot of tracks have a pit wall. You can always crash into the pit wall. That's a stationary object and it'd be not a good day. So, um, Absolutely. you know, medical bills are pretty expensive. So just right. and I got a family with... job to keep. <laughs> yeah. So think of it like, like I, I totally understand them. That mindset, you know, if you got tons of cash, it's it's uh faster to get to the limit by pushing really hard. Um, right. You'll find out real quick. Um, like a Mark Marquez might crash 20, 30 times in a season and still win the world championship because he's right. crashing in practice and qualifying, mm -hmm. um, not necessarily the races. But um, think about like uh, like the Northwest 200 or the the Ireland road ra racing stuff or you know all that. You have to have a totally different mindset. You can't be mm -hmm. crashing and throwing it down every corner because you'll you'll hit a cement barrier. Right. I mean, it's honestly, it's, it's embarrassing too. <laughs> you know, when you come back, you got grass all over your stuff and your bike's all tore up. I mean, it's expensive. Absolutely too. I mean, I guess it was just, it's mainly more my passion since I've, I've been a, a child. You know what I mean? That just overrode my, my thought process, I guess you might say, you know? So I mean, by actually going to Nelson's ledge or any other track, I'm going to go like I did to tally. I went with like, I don't know this for crap. And then, well, I started getting a feel for it. I'm like, oh, we're good. And then, uh, no, I still didn't know it. <laughs> Just takes so time. I, yeah, exactly. And that's, I'm a, I'm a very patient person, but with this, you have to be patient. You have to respect the track and the bike. Otherwise it's going to throw you around. It's not going to be good. For sure. So, um, maybe looking to do the full season next year. Um, Absolutely. and are you looking to do any different tracks for track days that might not uh, be race events or trying to yeah, do more like race events? Like you said, um, the one in South Haven, that's definitely, that's definitely a one I want to do for sure this year. Gingerman. Yeah, Gingerman. I want to go to Actually, sorry to interrupt. Talking about go Gingerman, there is um, there is a track day at Gingerman coming up for STT uh, September 16th, next Friday. It's oh, um, 3 p.m. registration, 5 p.m. riding till dusk. Okay. Um, so it's an afternoon, uh, evening event till it's dark. 
um, September 16th. So uh, uh, I, I think I might be there. Um, okay. I might be there riding. So we'll see. That'd be awesome. I'm going to have to bring my bike down to work. Uh, my work schedule is so crazy, too. It's like I'm right now I'm on seven days a week, and if something crazy happens, you might get a day off or so. Like, we just come off a three-day week, and obviously for Labor Day, they shut everything down. But with the, what we're doing, you just – that's so money and time consuming that they Texas is like, Oh yeah, no, I'll keep going and all that. So it's like, I, I buy the track time and then I never know until the day before if I can make it or not. So it's like, Oh, it's, <laughs> it's frustrating as hell. But I, I just have to, I realize now if I just pack my trailer and bring it with me down where I work at and leave it at the hotel, which is sketchy. No one likes to do, you know what I mean? But then I could, I just, at least if I get a chance, I can shoot over there and hit one real fast or something. You just need but, to get one of those GPS trackers. For sure. Right. <laughs> For real. I think they're not that expensive, um, whether it's Bluetooth or actual GPS. Some of them, like uh, the more expensive ones, are like a monthly fee, but a lot of them is just one time, one time charge. Oh, okay. I have to look into that for sure. Yeah, I'm like anything over a thousand dollars should have a, one of those, even like a Bluetooth Amazon tile. Is it right? Right. Apple yeah. tile. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I put it like underneath my gas tank or something. <laughs> you got to hide it on there. Yeah, absolutely. But um, do you uh, did, so did you like race rate like do a full season before or no? Yep. So I did uh, my first full season of racing in 2012. Uh, I did Wera novice. I won three championships in the 600, 750, and 1000 class on a six, 600. Um, then I moved up to expert after that. I did 2013, 14, and 15 as an expert. Um, I got runner up at championships second place many times, but right. I never won an expert championship. Um, I think I have 75 top 10 expert finishes as a road oh, racer. Yeah. yeah you've done um, some racing, bud. <laughs> 50, 50 plus podiums between motorcycle road racing, go-karting and mountain bike racing. So I've done all kinds of different disciplines. I got a teach um, a Jersey up here for cycling for mountain bike racing um, with my brands that I sell on it and my logo up there. Um, but yeah, just trying to stay in the sport. I had a really bad crash in 2015. I was kind of mentioning before. Um, and so that kind of took me out of road racing financially. It was, uh, I couldn't afford to do it to buy a whole brand new bike. I just totaled um, and uh, afford to do the events again. So I got into things like mountain biking and karting and um, did some car track days and tough mutters and foot races and just trying to do cheaper racing. I do simulator esport racing now. I see um, that uh, the, the car thing. Yep, with car cool uh, with the wheel and pedals. I would highly recommend it. It's great training. Makes me better driver racer uh, for for all all of it. Doing some other disciplines helps you with other sports. Right. You know, it's it all it's all related. Um. So yeah, just trying to stay in the sport. And now this year, I become a coach for MSF for STT and for USMCA and I'm waiting on paperwork right now. I keep checking my email every 10 minutes. But, uh, <laughs> I'm waiting on paperwork for, for the next one. It's not there yet, but uh, yeah, it should. So it should be a coach for four organizations um, in the next couple hours or, or weeks or days. <laughs> or, on, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what is going to happen, but they say, yes, let's move forward. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm, I want to be patient. I want to be patient <laughs> and not bug you. I know you're busy, but like, right. I, I want make, this. I need to make money too, you know? So, Absolutely. um, 
So yeah. how did you go? How did you go about? Is I guess uh, I wrote down uh, things to talk about is sponsorships. Like obviously it's my first year racing. I got uh, a couple sponsors, some close hometown friends and stuff. A uh, guy I buy vehicles from Nick's Auto, uh, nice. Nick's Motorsports. Sorry, uh, CarQuest. Um, who else? Uh, Gaylord Snow and Ice. Uh, I got, I started my own little T-shirt brand. Don't ever stop. We're trying to do a whole team of it. Don't ever stop racing. I got a bunch of guys who just bumped up from intermediate to advanced now, so they're gonna race with us next year. I'm gonna try to start something with that, but with well, the way I got those sponsors, I basically went up to them and was like, hey, I'm not helping you. You're going to help me. You know, you already have a legit business. I'm This is what I'm trying to do. And if I win some races or something, we bring my bike in, put some trophies and yada, yada. Thankfully, it's worked out for me. So now I guess my question for you is being an experienced racer with, you know, and obviously you had to have sponsors to help you out with racing and stuff. What's the best way to come at, you know, like to bring up that proposition? Like, because I've had some, several people now since I've won at Grattan, they're like, hey, we want a sponsor. We want to you. So the way I thought would be the best idea is to give them a list of basic prices of things that we use, you know, like the tires, the track time, not including food and hotels and all that because nobody cares. Obviously, that comes with the territory, but, you know, like lap timers, plastics and all that. Like, how do you how did you go about bringing it to people to where they wanted to sponsor you? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I've had 20 sponsors in the past. Um, most of them were parts and services, discounts and free parts and things like that. Um, a handful of them were giving me checks, you know, a very small amount. Um, so ultimately I never figured it out in the way that would keep me racing. The only reason I'm not racing full time right now is because I can't afford to do it. (laughs) So like, I want to be out there in Moto America. I earned my Moto America license in 2015. So my whole goal in life is to be a professional racer. So if anybody has opportunities, I'm all ears. And so (laughs) I have gear. Yeah. I have gear. We'll travel for food, podiums and money. Um, (laughs) And so like, my whole thing is trying to build an audience with this podcast to help, you know, spread the word about sponsorship and, or the people who sponsor me and get their names out there more. And, you know, if you have a million followers, you might get a million dollars. Like it's proportional. Like it's, it's exponential. If you get more people to watch your stuff and you, you can say to a sponsor, look, I have all these eyeballs watching me uh, versus the guy who might have less than that. Who are they going to go with? You know? And so I created a marketing proposal of sorts. I think you should have kind of two versions. Um, I know a little bit. I'm not, I'm not inept at that. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, I hope so. You know what I mean? I just uh, start from scratch. Yeah. (laughs) So I know quite a bit, um, but I'm actually looking into learning more about it. You should always keep learning. Uh, This is an extremely important topic. Uh, Funding racing is the most difficult part about racing. Um, if you're a good fundraiser, you can race forever. You can right. you can start a team and help other people race. Um, and so I think it's possible. Um, but you need like major corporations. And I was just talking about this the other day, like construction companies and insurance companies and law firms and like any national chains of restaurants or stores, anybody who has a marketing budget that's um, I mean, it doesn't have to be that huge, but think of. Who has a hundred million dollar marketing budget? Go right. ask the, those people. Um, Applebee's or something like that, but <laughs> yeah, like uh, Subway. I mean, Panera Bread comes to mind from Kyle Wyman. He got a recent sponsorship from them. I've, nice. I've, you know, you you just never know who's actually paying for things anymore because so many people um, will accept free parts and discounts because you'll take anything you you can get. But at some point, 
I think you sh- once you get more established, it should be no free advertising. It should be your you have tiers. So there might be a tier one, tier two, tier three. If you're a tier three, you're like almost a title sponsor. Um, okay. If you're tier two, you might be a like a someone who gives free parts. If you're tier three, it might be discounts. And so maybe if you're tier three, you're not put on the bike. You're put on social media. You're put on you know all the the podcast. Okay, but so um, give them stages they can choose from, so it makes it more available to their liking rather than just one solid take it or leave it. I see what you're saying. The whole That's- point, you have to switch your thinking on what what you're asking them. It's not, hey, I need this. Can you help me with this? It's no. I provide marketing and advertising solutions. Right. What kind of advertising are you looking for? Like, how? Yeah. what's your budget look like? Yeah, this is what we provide. Yeah. And so if you're looking for the most, the most visibility, the highest... Um, offer that we have, you know, it would be this much for, it could be a specific round. Say I want to do single round sponsorship where you might have different stickers on the bike from round to round. Um, and you are the, you know, X brand ESR bike this weekend, okay. you know, your, your name is now the naming rights of the team. So yeah. you can offer that too. Like the biggest, the most exposure possible, uh, maybe yeah. logos on your helmet and the biggest ones on the bike, you know, stuff like that. If, if it's just a discount provider, you know, maybe they get a small sticker on your belly pan. Right. Right. Okay. And things like that. But you should have two different proposals. One might be a one page, short and sweet, very quick. Because if you have a 10 page proposal, not everybody's going to read page seven. Yeah. You know, it might be interesting, but keep it short and sweet. You might be able to have seven pages on the follow up. Hey, I'd like to get more information, but maybe don't send that one to lead with. Okay. You know, or there's tons of different uh, theories out there. Um, you know, I never got the six-figure check I was looking for. <laughs> right. uh, I think that's going to come from a, di- a variety of different sources, though. It's rare that it be one company. It's going to be a bunch of different companies kind of chipping in, maybe $1,000 here, maybe 5000 here. Maybe you got a title sponsor that's 10000 okay. you know, uh, right. and that'd be wonderful. Or I've yep. even seen, like, dealerships help out quite a bit whether they're car dealerships or motorcycle dealerships. And it's like, just go around to every dealership in the country until you find one that says yes. Right. Well, I mean, that's basically what, that's what, basically what I've been doing is, you know, the ones I think that would uh, spot my first sponsor, excuse me, uh, Midbitten Excavating. He was uh, my buddy, Dakota. We grew up together, did a oil field together and stuff. He's got his own excavating business. And he reached out to me like, hey, man, I think you got something. I will, let me help out. I was like, hey, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, a sponsor. He's like, you need to find other people. And he's actually been a really, really big help with me by helping find other people. Like, he, he's word of mouth to them, other businesses he works with. He's like, I got this guy. I got this kid, man, you know, and you got to check him out. So that's that's definitely been helping. But it's just, uh, you know, I hate, you know, you know when you go to ask for a sponsorship that you they already have their advertisement stuff. It's like you're basically asking for something, you know, but, and I see what you're saying by finding out a way you can help each other out. Absolutely. Cause you know, what's in it for them, what's in it for you. It's, we can't look at it that way. It's how can we help each other out and build a team together and everything. But it's like, when you, when I think numbers, you know, we're not going to say numbers, but you know, you know how much it costs. I know how much it costs. They have no idea how much it costs. When you throw a number at them, it's like, I feel like numbers scare people away, you know? So like, I think my best approach is to leave the numbers out of it now. And if they want to know numbers, then absolutely where their money's going to. Because I've done that with my most recent ones just to prove that I'm not some kid. Because 
where I live at, people like do scams like that. Oh, sponsor me for this, and then they just take the money and run, you know. Yeah. So I've shown them seats of tires and you no know, track time, this and that. Oh, you ain't got to show me that, but it still helps things, you know. So I mean, it's just it's hard to come up with a, a decent amount to actually help you and make it worth all the, the, the marketing and stuff you do, put the name on everything, making the stickers. I make my own shirts and logos. So I'll make their own, their own, there's a company sticker. I'll make it for them and put it on my bike or my equipment and stuff. So it's like, it's a lot of side work also alone from racing. You know what I mean? So it's like, gotta be worth my time too, but is it really going to help that much? And because like all my sponsorships I got this year, basically could pay for one day you know what i mean but it's i was more than thankful and i was happy to have them you know i mean I, I still am that way but i just i guess i gotta direct direct it more towards like you said the multi-million dollar companies and stuff keep the keep the little guys from still you know what i mean because they're the ones that are there first i'll always hold on to them you know I mean? oh yeah i mean you never know who could be a super race fan who just happens to have a lot of money and is re- just kind of wants to help you but you're also providing them a service like i've had local businesses like um, energy companies like goo energy labs and uh, a chiropractor, you know, gave me free adjustments and things like that. So you know, everything, every little bit helps. Right. Absolutely. So I'm, like, so I'm hoping to make a couple more track times this year and then next year, just go full force with it. Heck yeah. And then I'll uh, see where it goes. I want to, I want to ask me, you know, guys at work and stuff like, Oh man, where do you really see yourself going with that? I'm, I don't know. I'm just having fun. You're like, why? What do you mean? Why am Why am I having fun? Like, no. Why do you only see yourself having fun with it instead of taking it to the full extent? It's like, well, money. I got a family. So yeah, but someone said today I'll pay for your whole way. Would you go? It's like, <laughs> yeah, obviously. I'm, I'm already paying thousands of dollars to do this. So if someone says I'll pay my way, then hell yeah. But yep. I mean, it's it's, it's a dream. Like you said, Moto America, man. That would be a dream of my lifetime. I'm 30 right now, but I see I see guys 40, 50 years old still won't beat me. Oh so yeah, you like, got a lot I, of time left. I mean, you got a superbike. It does have an age limit, so fifty-five. Um, uh, but a- after fifty-five, I mean, there's so many other classes you could race competitively. Uh, just might not be Moto America. Right. I mean, if I if I end up being, I mean, what, what does it take to be Moto America? I mean, you have to you have to have lap times and all that stuff to prove that you're that good, right? So to be uh to get your Moto America license, you have to accumulate so many points as an expert and. Okay. You also have to be, um, so they also talk to the race organization, like, is this guy safe? Does he crash every weekend? Do we want him in our organization? Like that kind of stuff. So they kind of give you like a background race check and talk to the people who saw you race and things like that. Is he, you know, taking people out, all this stuff. So, um, and then, so I don't think it's so much lap time specific, but once you get to Moto America, then you'll have to qualify and like for the Twins Cup, for example, they might have 40 people who uh, who are there to qualify, but maybe um, a few of them don't make the grid because they have the caps on uh, certain racetracks for how many riders can, can make the grid. Okay. That so makes you, sense. you will have to qualify once you get there, but I don't think it's any lap time restrictions um, to do that. But you just have to accumulate so many points within um, a period or like have uh, experience as a professional car racer maybe you switched over to motorcycle they're like yep you're you're fine like <laughs> maybe, oh, right. you know there's other ways to get it like i've i've heard of um road racers going to flat track and it's supposed to be a similar license graduation but they've never really done a whole lot of flat track but they're super fast in another category they usually grant people licenses from stuff like that okay so it's definitely within reach my reach then oh I yeah have- Oh, I don't know how far out it was. If they, uh, but I'm sure it's just 
insane amount of money to do it, but I mean, it's, it's skill level. So I mean, yeah, once once you're an expert for a year, um, I'd say look at, at the possibility of doing a round. Um, you know, a typical weekend for for where it might be depends how many classes you do and how far you had to drive. But in your home home state, um, I'd say fifteen hundred dollars to two thousand dollars for a weekend depends how many tires you're using. Yeah, it's and, <laughs> um, so that's pretty good numbers, and that's with without balling out going to hotels and dinner that's like eating at the local dinner you know so uh and then if you're doing like a a wear a national maybe in a different state i'd say 2000 to 2500 for extra gas and still sleeping at the track camping out and maybe another another rear tire or something maybe another front um but i've heard numbers like for moto america depends how many sets of tires you use like they could use four or five sets uh, maybe more than that, up to eight, I think, for the superbike class. Oh, so um, that's that's pretty expensive. That's a couple of thousand dollars right there in tires before yep. you even drive to the track and have crew credentials. So you're going to need to maybe buy a radio uh, yeah. to talk to race control and uh, pit, you know, hot pit or on the grid, I should say, generators and canopies. And like expect, I would say, maybe four four to five thousand dollars up to ten thousand dollars per weekend right at Very moto cool. america i mean it's it adds up really quick and if you're doing 11 round series that's over a hundred thousand oh. dollars just to participate not even like expecting any checks to come your way right so uh yeah you can't most people can't do this alone so that's why i don't come from a rich family like that's why i kind of stopped road racing for a little while in 2015 because i had this bad crash and i couldn't afford to do it and it's so expensive even just to do it in your home state oh absolutely yeah it is and i mean two hours ain't that far ain't that bad but when you work till seven o'clock at night you race two hours home load the trailer up (laughs) down there like call the lady i forgot this hurry up bring my suit you know that's happened to me before get all the way to the track go to hop on like where's my suit at oh no (laughs) oh (laughs) You know, why yeah but we do it because we love it not because we expect to be millionaires like um i just want to make money so i can afford to do it and i think i can do it at a high level sounds like you can do it at a high level already um as you're learning but it's always more to learn i just want to keep continuing to be able to do it so being a coach now allows me to do it at a cheaper level um and uh you know it still costs money but oh, yeah. um it's just another way, another avenue to go down. And I'm learning more as a coach, like teaching people, other people is so rewarding to see them like struggling or not really getting off the bike, not using their right body position, thinking they're hanging off so far. And I'm like, dude, you didn't even move your butt a millimeter. Like, what are you doing out there? Like, I want to like scream and yell and like, you shouldn't be riding like that for the rest of the session. Like get off the session. Like, (laughs) right. right, I wish I could have some like head communication with them. Cause it's like, I don't want you out there for another 15 minutes riding like that. Like I need to talk to you. Like let's, let's talk, you know, get the old, get the whip around them and slap the old tail. <laughs> I, yeah, every time I started to do that to me, I was like, Oh, we're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> like all oh, what I do now, get your ass chewing real fast. And they say, okay, I get back on the track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, it's not, it's not a reprimanded thing. It's just, I wanted to help teach you um, to get better. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's great. We appreciate it by guys with more experience for sure. 
because there's, there's so many things I was doing wrong that I thought I just had in the bag. And I mean, I'm some young tattooed punk kid with a bike, you know, but they, they you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, wow. And then I'm like, you know, I would see you get irritated. Like, oh, what do you know? You know, it's because you think you think I'm uh, you're, you're too slow or something like that. And then I do what they say. And it's like, holy crap, they're right. So <laughs> I probably after my second track day, I lost that uh, mentality of they don't know what they're talking about because they clearly do. Yeah. You know? And there's all sorts of different levels of coaches. You know, there might be a, a coach who's really great for the novice class uh, who maybe doesn't race full time. And, you know, there's all different levels. So you might be passing coaches at some point and that's okay too. Like they're maybe a great coach for some intermediate riders, right. um, but there usually is a really fast um, or a handful of fast racers who are, who are their coaching that you can always get a toe from. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just pumped up to go to the track day again, <laughs> whatever that is, hopefully this weekend. So uh, I assume at this point you're running, you know, tire warmers and stands, a generator or something like that. Yep. Uh, normally I get a paddock at wherever there is one, but if I don't, I got a I got a big stupid generator, and I got uh, just picked up some chicken hawks from STG, uh, some new Brembo brake levers, and uh, what is it, the whole piston, the Brembo piston, picked master them up. cylinder, master cylinder. Yes, thank you. Or the caliper, maybe. Uh, no, no, I got, I get new pads. I got the, I already got the, uh, Brembo's on it stock. So they, they worked out. See, now it came with a, the dual piss, the, I don't know what it's called. The bolt that goes in the fluid passage, uh, passes through. It came with two holes in it and my stock one only had one. So I couldn't use the aftermarket two hole. What's that? What's the second hole for? Like a brake bleeder, maybe? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, it's no, it's not the bleeder. It's the actual, the bolt that screws in that goes from your, your line from your front brake up top and it goes, it goes through it and your fluid passes through that down near, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not sure why I had the bolt that came with the new master cylinder. It came with a bolt with two holes in it. You know what I mean? Like, like there should be another line, maybe for like a, a clutch that's piston. I don't know. There are sometimes have different mounting points. Like uh, some of them are, are like one cable that goes down to the left side for your brake lines oh, and okay. there's maybe snakes over to the other side a different way. So maybe there's different mounting points. Uh, or different styles that they can do right okay yeah i picked uh picked those up just picked up a new set of uh race fairings from moto xp over in italy that was a pain in the ass to get over here <laughs> all the <laughs> shipping yeah shipping wise and just the address and trying to talk to somebody who doesn't speak english over the phone it's just you know <laughs> but i got everything locked in ready to go now and hopefully i got a new uh, lap time or two um i can't remember the name of it i just went on stg in order to crap ton of stuff <laughs> called the dude i was like hey i race for where i need all this stuff he's like all right i got you and send over and now i'm just piecing it together piece by piece you know whenever what time i get home heck yeah awesome it's just uh you know it's it's all nuts and bolts in the end it's nothing really d difficult or complicated you know mm -hmm. i think i'm like youtube certified by now because uh <laughs> just look on like if you don't understand something call a friend um ask a question you know go on the forums it's a really great resource absolutely Absolutely. Yeah. I got to pre-drill all the bolts for it, for the new plastics and all that. And I about threw them on this week and I'm like, why am I going to do that? And I got to pull them right back off, paint them. I got to get a hold of Neil, send him my other sets. So that way he can get the, uh, the mold for it. I'm going to have him probably at uh, total, total performance graphics, do my, do my, uh, my wrap on it. Heck yeah. So, and, cool. uh, you know that they also, uh, I am now a dealer of race bolt and, okay. uh, race bolt. You can, you can have these bolts that are already pre-drilled. You don't have to drill them yourself. Yeah, I'm going to need some of them. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I'm going to buy some myself. Um, and we get it from Moto D. Moto D is the importer of them, and I'm a vendor of Moto D Racing. So a lot of the brands that they sell, we also we also sell those. 
Okay. I'll definitely have to check into that. Cause I, uh, first race I went and pre-drilled all my own bolts and then I had to change stuff and I went to go put, you know, the alien head that goes in there. It doesn't go in there no more. <laughs> so uh, thankfully one of the guys at the track, um, what was his name? Ryan Kramer. He actually has the exact same bike as mine. So he's like, I got these bolts, but now he got some money. I'm like, absolutely. Dude, I'll buy whatever. <laughs> he sold my first set of plastics. That's, I just keep on resulting back to the, the fact that the track love, man. It's insane. Oh yeah. It's I mean, actually- there's been times that I've lent parts like a steering damper for, to my friend and he was in the same race as me. And uh, I was like, if I didn't le- lend him that part, he might've not made the grid, but I want to beat him on the track, not in the pit lane. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So it worked out. I be I think I beat him. <laughs> I think I beat him. That's all that matters. But uh yeah, it's just a blast. I love doing it and uh want to do it for a long time at a high level. And I want to be able to to do this podcast too and help maybe teach people about it, how to get into the sport and different tips and tricks and give back some of the things that I know. I'm like I wanted to do this podcast for years but i was too scared to do it because like how do i start this you know and then at one time i just ripped off the band-aid and just started with you know local people my friends and family and then uh, expanded from there but um i just like talking to people and um helping spread the the sport and the awareness and hopefully i sell some some stuff along the way oh yeah as it's helped me so far man so keep at it dude for sure you having me too man thank you again so uh, what else is on your mind? What's going on in your life? Oh, honestly, dude, work. I got a kid on the way. He's going to be here the 30th of this That's month. That's exciting. Little baby girl. Um, I bought my son uh, one of those O'Hara bikes, a 110 uh, four-speed. So hopefully, I don't know what age they're allowed on the track at, but he's eight right now. So I'm going to get him started in some park lots on that, get him a suit and all that. So Are you talking about get... the uh, Ovales? Ovales, yeah, O'Hara. Sorry. And yeah, so uh, you can go to a lot of different cart tracks with those. Um, for example, Pittsburgh, um, international race complex, uh, the old beef run, the, um, they have a United States pro cart series track and I've seen bikes, uh, on that before. Um, there's also, there's a bunch of them around. Um, so even Jackson speedway, you could probably go to, um, there's one in, uh, Clio, Michigan cart track well it's kind of like an old nascar track but we use it for supermoto probably wouldn't be able to do the dirt section but you can keep it on the pavement there um there's one j and g cartway and i think it's fremont or ohio there's a couple good good ones in ohio a lot of places to ride even though it's not a big track in the typical sense but um i've been getting out there myself with the uh with the supermoto and it's a lot of fun just learning different skills I've been drifting it yet. I see a lot of guys in the street. I was like, hey, that thing looks insane. I, it's, it's just basically a dirt bike with street tires, ain't it? Exactly. So I have a Kawasaki. It's a 2021 KLX 300 Supermoto. It's a technically 292 CC. They call it a 300. Yeah. Um, it's got better suspension, but it's pretty much a stock bike. Uh, there's almost nothing done to it. Just the mirrors and I have lever guards. They're different. And uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm definitely spinning up the rear tire, um, pushing pushing things. I mean, I wouldn't say pushing the front in the dirt. That's, that's uh, hard to do, but um, it's just uh, learning a whole new discipline, man. It's difficult. Um, And sometimes there's a motocross section that's, that has jumps and whoops and doubles and triples and berms. And then there's a flat track section. That's like oval, like eighth of a mile, maybe oval. And then they have uh, the cart track section. So we loop them all together for some of the time. And then, you know, 
it's a blast. It's uh difficult. It's uh oh, you can't you can't get on the gas too hard coming off going in, on the pavement because you have dirt on your tires. Right. And uh, you just can't have tons of lean angle in the dirt sections anyway, but it's a surprising level of grip, man. It's, it blows my mind and I'm just learning with it. I don't know what I'm doing in the dirt section yet with the supermoto with slick tires on, but like my buddy, Jeff and, and will, they're all sending it like 20, 30 foot gaps and uh, on slick tires. I'm like, that's impressive as they go flying by me uh, in, in midair. I'm like, this is amazing. I didn't know the bike could do that. <laughs> I got a dirt bike, but I ain't doing no, I don't, I'm not a fan of the air. Never have been. Like I did BMX way like, Oh, BMX track behind my house as kids and always cased it on that. So I was like, why would I want to go put an engine on the pedal bike and then case it? No, thanks. Look, so I, I think it's a, a beneficial thing to be able to do, to have the cojones to do that and to, to understand your gaps and like how far you can go and like your timing but uh, I'm just I'm not there either, so I'm just learning and trying to you know not break a break my face, and uh, I'm getting off the ground a little bit. But like I see the pictures, I'm like a foot, maybe two feet, and, and like they're like twenty feet. I'm like holy crap. <laughs> right, like when we're at Grant going straight away, you got them guys just hitting them kickers like sixty foot in the air, pointing at, like, yeah, whatever, have fun. <laughs> you know? That's and, wild. And so uh, I was even I was at Grant not long ago, the twenty eighth going counterclockwise and man uh there's a couple of times i was going over the jump that the wheelie got a little bit away from me and oh. it happens real quick you know i mean it wasn't a big deal i still i saved it and it was not a huge moment but like my, one time my foot came off the foot peg i was like oh man i wasn't expecting the <laughs> right. wheel to come up four feet that time <laughs> see that's what another thing about that aprilia man it's as, as awesome as the motorcycle as it is and i have obviously no complaints about whatsoever is i'm relying so much on my electronics that's what sucks. I got the launch control. I got the wheelie control. So my first time ever going over that reverse, yeah, I, I always let off. Everyone says let off. You know? Then Pete Eckert come up to me and he's like, hey, man, you got launch, you got that wheelie control. I'm like, what? And then Tate comes over. He's like, yeah, we got wheelie control. Here. He hits a couple buttons. And said, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Next time you go over that jump, just hammer it. I looked at him like he was crazy. He's like, I'm just <laughs> do it. Okay. Explain to me how it works. So sure enough, man, you know, second gear coming over the hill. Eh. I picked it up. It held the RPMs. And as soon as the tires set back down, it was full power again. I'm like, that's beautiful thing. Shit. There's a second. <laughs> There's a second right there. And know? so, yeah, those things, they do help you out. And it's kind of the wave of the future, but right. I would definitely say you should learn how to do it without a slipper clutch, without full Brembo brakes, like without a great engine, like, I need to go buy me just a little a 300 or a beat up 600 or something. Just, just get a feel for it. Cause I, I feel like that's, I'm getting away from the original riding, you know, as, as you might call it, original racing, you know, cause the real guys, they don't, they don't use the ABS. They don't use. I've the never had traction control or ABS or wheelie control. I've been racing for like 11 years now. See, and that's, that's why I've been shutting it off. I've been shutting my ABS off. And I was like, are you crazy? I'm like, well, they don't have it. So why do I want it? Like, yeah, but it's a good thing to have it. I'm like, yeah, but you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm in the air about it, you know. I don't I obviously don't want to purposely make myself crash, but I also want to be able to jump on something that's like a, you know, an O two or O three doesn't have any of that stuff and be able to still ride like how I ride, you know. It's not get... yeah, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing to have those things. It's just um they are rider aids, like they do make you less skilled in a way. Like for example, um I stopped using cruise control almost completely on my truck because I got in the habit of using it all the time. Because I would just like, I don't want to speed. I don't want to get caught for speeding. Or, so I'm just going to go a certain speed and then press a button. And then I'm not going any faster. And right. so 
but that makes you less skilled. Like after a while, you're just not going to be as good with the throttle. I promise. Yeah. It's just a fact. You know, the less you use something, the less um, you get good at it. And repetition and your habits, you just get worse. So, right. like, even when I'm driving these six-hour trips, I'm using the throttle the whole time. I'm not using the cruise control because you're going up mountains and hills and also just sorts of different ev- elevation. And uh, you're much more aware of things, too. Yeah, I mean, you're paying attention to everything that's going on. And I, I've never had a manual transmission, um, you know, four-wheeled vehicle, but I would, I would really like to because you can't be texting on your phone, eating crackers or a hamburger, whatever it is too easily when you're driving a stick shift vehicle um, because you got to be paying attention to everything. Um, And it just makes you so much more immersed in it. Now that's going to go away with maybe electric vehicles coming up. You're not going to be shifting. It's going to be like a CVT one gear. So that'll make it a little bit different, but that's, that's not happening uh, anytime soon that I can see. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that. (laughs) You know, I'd seen there was a, I think it's BMW hasn't, or who has an electric bike now? I seen an electric bike over the track. Quite a yeah, few of them. Um, Energica, maybe Biamola or Biamota. I think Biamola is a helmet brand now. But um, yeah, they're they're coming out with them. Zero maybe is another one, but um, I don't think they're quite there yet. They're they're coming up. It's like if you do it now, you're an early adopter. Um, right. But uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. I. Just- I, I like that. It's the best thing about the motorcycle, I think, is just hearing heavy gears. Wah, wah, <laughs> slap. You got to hit a slap. But... And that's another thing, too, the the auto whip, man. I had no idea what auto whip was. I didn't know you could do that. I, I was clutching down the straightaway. I was like, what are you doing? I'm clutching <laughs> turns and my, my tire's locking up. They're like, you're going to kill somebody. What are you doing? They're like, so Tate, again, come over and hit a couple more buttons and show me some things. And I'm like, oh, wow. And that just is immensely, insanely, drop 10 seconds off right there, just auto whip. Oh yeah, because it rev matches for you and it gets a comes helps you come down in the gear a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because I'd be, I mean, I just switched over to GP shifting too, and that was, you know, I always heard about it and I went, thought it was cool. So I was like, yeah, I get some Woodcraft rear sets real fast and switch over to GP, and I'll be able to. So I was coming in up to the the last turn before the bus stop, and I was having to go underneath and click over to grab third gear. You know, I mean, before I got to the bus stop, now I can just downshift but i still catch myself all the time coming just going to upshift and downshift <laughs> yeah that sucks it's it's a little bit of getting used to and i've used gp shift for many years but now i have the supermoto that's standard again and the latest race bike that i have in my garage is standard also so i was at grant and i was thinking i was like just you know trying to go back to your natural habits when you're racing i was like wait a minute which, which way do I have to shift again? I was on the straightaway. Like, I had to think about it. I was like, oh, no, this is not a natural habit anymore. And I was no. like, oh, don't screw that up. If there's someone right behind you, man, you take the wrong gear, you could uh-huh. blow up your engine or, you know, have a have a new friend meeting uh, in the middle of the straightaway. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I just switched over my GP shifting for my last race, too. So I was like just super nervous wrecked. Like, oh, God, this is terrible. Like catching every corner going to downshift. I was up shifting and right vice versa. Oh, this I, don't, yeah. I should go back. I should just go back. But well, I mean, I think GP shift is better. I wish I had GP shift on on the race bike because uh, um, I, it's easier to shift when you're leaned over and shifting up, which is the whole point of doing it. And um, it's not such a big deal downshifting, you know, going the opposite direction. And actually. Well, no, when you're coming in your corner, though, you're already you're already upright. You're already downshifting. You're getting your gears. You're getting where you're at. You don't have to do it in the corner, you know. So yeah. when you're 
out of it, that's when you grab more gears and yeah, world difference, absolute world difference for me. I think I need to adjust the pressure on that, um, on mine because my left calf was starting to get sore from having like stomp down to make <laughs> right. all my downshifts. It's like, I'm actually starting to cramp up in my, in my calf right now from just downshifting so hard. And like, I'm not used to these electronics on the bike either. Um, having clutchless downshifts and I've never done that. That's the first couple of times I've done that. So it's a little different. And, uh, I feel like I could make my downshifts faster if I didn't have to use the electronics. So maybe you have to shorten the, some of the cut time or something. I got to look into it a little bit more, but um, I feel like I can make my downshifts faster if I were to use the clutch, but it's got the electronics to not need, not need it. So right. maybe I'm not resetting my foot to a neutral position fast enough. Um, I'm not sure. Just have to figure it out, man. Figure Just out Got to look That's at it. Have, mess with it some more and keep going from there. Yeah, it's, I, I haven't done my, – my bike is completely bone stock right now mechanical-wise. I mean, obviously I got, you know, gadgets and gadgets that look cool and stuff, but engine-wise, absolutely bone stock. I had uh, Nick. You did a podcast with him uh, with Nick's suspension. He tuned my bike, tuned it into the T. Like I told him what was going on. Hey, that's what I'm doing. He looked at my tire wear. He's like, all right, let's just let's tighten everything up. I was uh, bottom out my front forks from slamming the brakes so hard. He maxed them out, set my back for me, and it's just been absolute flawless since. Awesome. I know with, with every track you go through, though, you're going to have to change your suspension, I assume, though, right? Because it's going to be different track, different styles, different everything. So now if I could just pay Nick to cart around with me, he's like, I'll just teach you how to do it. I say, I know, <laughs> but in a hurry, it's a lot better if you just quick, 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 quick for me real fast, you know? Yeah, it's always good to have a suspension guy in your corner um, who's on the team and maybe at the event, or at least someone you can call on the phone at an event. I've done that before. Um, and someone you can ask, Hey, the bike is doing this. What should I do? Which knob do I need to turn? Um, right. To talk to, you know, a veteran or somebody is extremely valuable. And sometimes, yeah, I was never a guy who was changing suspension settings for every track. Um, even with all the racing I did, I was like, the bike's fine. It's me. I need to get, ride the right. bike better. And that was really what I focused on most of my time. Now, there were definitely a few rounds that I, that I had witchcraft motorsports, uh, Joe craft in my corner yep. and he was turning knobs and things. And that was extremely helpful. I think one time I dropped like a second and a half from just one, one little moment with Joe. He's like, Oh yeah, do this, do this. And like went out, dropped so much time. I was like, that was amazing. I need to yep. do this more often. So yeah, if you have the, the means to do it, it, and, uh, you know, you come back to the same track next time. You have a a, a base setting, um, yeah. and you can even start small with just changing a knob, turning one direction, seeing how it feels better or worse, then changing it back, trying to go the other direction. Like that's really how you do it. Um, it's just another time-consuming thing, but it's very valuable if you can get the the black magic of it all right and figure it out. Right. But yeah, he, he he blew my mind when he did it too. He's like, oh okay, and he's asked a couple questions real fast. And he did, okay, go try that, man. You know, just you know, Nick casual yep. as ever. And <laughs> <laughs> go out there. I come back. I'm like, dude, this is it. Like, you're my guy now. He's like, oh okay. I'm like, no, seriously, like, you're gonna be here racing. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll be here. <laughs> yeah, yep, he's a really really good uh, really good guy. He helps out a lot, and um, I would recommend getting your fork oil changed um, on a regular basis, depending on how much you're riding. So just like your engine oil degrades, uh, right. same thing with your fork oil. So just getting that refreshed 
every so often, maybe once a season or every other season, depending on how much you're out there, um, is very valuable. Not even the settings that are on it, just the oil that's inside. Okay. I definitely have to get a hold of Joe for that. For sure, because that's what everyone says. Joe Kraft's the guy to go to for our suspension. I had him, um, he was on his way to Grant, and he was going to meet Ryan Kramer there also and stuff, but then yeah. I didn't meet Nick before he got there, and Nick did all the stuff. But I still went, you know, hey, I told Kramer, I was like, hey, if there's any, you know, funds or anything that you had, I need me help pay for him to come here, I got you, because I said it would, you know, but he wasn't worried about it or anything. But I hear he's definitely the guy, because I asked Nick if he could do the oils and the springs, all that. he's like, no, it's not my thing. <laughs> yeah, you have to be a certified Olin's technician to do that stuff. Yeah, that's way over my fucking my my league. Yeah, I've, so I I've gotten my stuff serviced by Joe a bunch of times, and uh, the first time he's like, "Oh yeah, just bring me your forks." I'm like, "What? I don't know how to do that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just that simple, right? Yeah, sure. Well, he does it every day. It's his profession, you know. It's one of his professions, and uh, so it's like call a friend, look it up on YouTube. Like it's just nuts and bolts. It's not that complicated, but you got to have the right stand for it or you suspend it from the ceiling or a garage or something. Um, but uh, it can be done. It's not that difficult. For sure. Yeah. I'm not, definitely have to do that. Cause it's an 18 and I, like I said, ain't nothing been touched except for what I've done to, it. I bought it with like 50 miles on it. So it definitely needs like a full flush. Um, I think, I don't know. I, everyone says like that's what's hard too is like when you go and you take little bits of information. You know, you ask this person, you ask ten people the same question, you get ten different answers. So it's like, how do you how do you pick <laughs> and choose? well? Obviously, you can go to the fast guys and see what they're running, but then you talk to some other fast guys and they're running a totally different setup and they think they're stupid. So it's like, <laughs> party here. I'm just trying to get some information, guys. You know? Yeah. So I, I, what I've been doing is just take a little bit from everybody. You know, what I mean, trying a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and seeing what works for me. You know. I think that's my best option for sure. Cause um, you're going to get a lot of different answers and you can even try them all out and see what one, which one works for you and realize that maybe this style doesn't work for you or maybe that part or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Cause I think our biggest thing, uh, me and my crew or whatever is like, we, we still need to set uh, a distinguished time. You know what I mean? Like a, a set lap time on the track. So we can figure out if it's me or if it's the bike. I still, I've just been progressing so much that I haven't been able to catch that same lap time. Like race time, I was 23s, 24s consistently, you know what I mean? But now I just need to go do a, a practice day where it's just me out there and I'm not going for anything, you know, and see what I can consistently run. So that way we know whether to tweak the bike or tweak me. For but, sure. Um, I'd say fitness is a huge aspect of it. Like I, I'm noticing that uh, I'm getting tired on the bike and I could probably ride more consistently if uh, I had stronger legs or maybe my core, like the endurance aspect of it, I haven't been doing as much cycling and running this year. I've been doing more coaching and different things. So uh, with the flagging, so I got excuses, but um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I'm noticing a difference. I used to do a thousand miles of cycling and I'm like 10% of that this year. Um, wow. So wow. it's, it's noticeable. And I'm also just getting kind of back into riding on the sport bikes and racetrack stuff. So right. just, um, it's a high level of fitness and uh, you just got to stay with it and get your fitness up. So you don't have to worry about your body anymore. You can focus on racing and your race craft and, you know, suffer in training. So the race is easy. Exactly. Yep. I've been, uh, I've been trying to treat it. Like, you know, I when a lot of people think I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how you say it. Uh, obsessed, too obsessed with it. Like I am, absolutely. It's my my passion, my love. So like when I do things, I do it to the absolute max. Like it's it's do it or die to me. You know, it sounds crazy, but that's how I have it. My mindset. It's not to the T to that, but that's how I'm thinking. So that way I can achieve what I want. So like 
when I train, like I, I am, I, I just do runs and lift weights, like not like powerlifting, but I lift to stay strong, but still slim. So I'm light for racing. Cause I weighed 180 last year and I was running a 150 something or two minutes. And now I'm like down to 160. I'm running 122. It's like, I know the weight that much of a factor with experience, but it's definitely helping a lot. So I'm trying to stay slim, but stay strong because coming into that straightaway at 157 or 170 mile an hour, when you're on your brakes, you're using every muscle in your upper body. So when I come off the track from a race, it's like, I'm exhausted, dude. It's only eight laps, but it's the hardest. It's it's the hardest eight laps I've ran all year. You know what I mean? So I, I definitely hear you on that feeling fatigued, you know what I mean, coming off the track. So I'm just sure. trying, trying to push myself beyond what a normal person, what I think what a normal person push themselves for a race. You know what I mean? Like you're riding a motorcycle, you're not running a marathon, but I'm treating it like a marathon or a Spartan race. You know, like I just want to be prepared for that, you know? Absolutely. Like if, if you're a marathon guy or a triathlon guy, think about how much um, of a benefit that would be to your riding versus the guy who only does, you know, just a little bit of running oh. and biking. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've never been, a, never been a runner a day in my life, like maybe a mile here and there in high school, you know what I mean? But um, since that last race, I wanted to, you know, keep up on it because I felt like I was doing good. So keep my fatigue. I've been hitting, trying to hit like three miles a day at least on the running and then do two, three, two, two to five miles on the bike and just do my little light, light lifting and stuff. But nice. We'll see where it goes, you know? Yeah. I just, uh, I was a little late signing on today because I was doing a hot yoga session. I've done <laughs> uh, about 180 or so, uh, hot yoga classes, 90 minutes, 105 degrees in there. I saw oh. my heart rate today. It said rest for like 40 hours. Um, <laughs> I said, uh, my heart rate was like 193 or something like that at, at the peak level. So it's exhausting. I actually got out of the room for three minutes today. So I was like, I just need to take a break. Um, and it felt like it was hotter than normal. Sometimes it varies a little bit through the, throughout the weather and all that. But, uh, I think it's great injury prevention. It's, um, the heat acclimation is a big thing. I would suggest, um, any racer it's always hot. Right. Unless oh, yeah. you're doing skiing or something like that, oh, yeah. like it's snow skiing, but it's always super hot. Even in car racing, they don't always have air conditioning. You might have a blower or some air coming on you, but it's not always cold air. No. Um, and so you're out there. It's super hot. Just it's huge advocate for advocate for being in saunas and heat work. And um, there's a new place as I heard about called something like hot works. I think it's called that uh, they have, different training and sauna like environments. They offered me a free, uh, free class. I'm probably going to take it one of these days, check it out. But I used to do like push ups in the sauna. I think that's great. Um, it feels like you're going to die in there. It's a, right. like the lifetime saunas, I think are 180 degrees and they recommend only 15 minutes in there. And it's, it's a dry sauna. Um, but, uh, wet saunas are good too. I don't do too many of the wet saunas, but, um, the steam, you know, the steam rooms, yeah, you know, yeah, no, I'd probably rather do a dry one personally. <laughs> it's just different. And sometimes they like put some sort of mint or eucalyptus and it kind of opens up your sinuses, which is interesting. But, but yeah, it's, uh, that sounds get... like great, great conditioning. Cause we're always, as soon as you come off track, first thing you want to do is get out of your suit. You're just like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. You know, and think all... about if you're acclimated to all that and you're used to that, um, it'd be, it's just another piece of the puzzle that makes it a little bit easier. So, you're not sweating as much as the next guy, or maybe you're sweating just as much, but you're used to it. You're like, this is normal. This is nothing. I'm like, I'm used to 20 degrees hotter than this. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. See, that's, that's, I need to get into some of that because I, I enjoy the hot. I'm allergic to the cold, literally. 
uh, it's called cold Utica. So you put like ice pack on any part of my skin, I'll break out into a hive. So wintertime is just treacherous for me. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like the Michelin man all bundled up and stuff. And you're living but, in yeah. Michigan? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I work outside in the winter all year too, you know, in the wintertime. So you just got to definitely... cover up. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely something I want to look into then because I feel like that helped me out a lot. Because with anybody naturally, again, in 90 plus degree weather, they're going to fatigue a little bit, you know? Oh, yeah. And sure. uh, kicks my ass every time, man. It's never an easy workout. And you're it's not like you're doing jumping jacks. You're just standing in place. There's a lot of balance drills and balance, one-legged standing. And um, then there's a floor series where you're just stretching and doing different things. But just standing in place, you're drenching, drenched full of sweat. And my heart rate's maxed out. So uh, it's really beneficial, I think. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. I'll so, definitely have yeah, that's about an hour and 40 minutes. Is there anything else on your mind you want to talk about? Where can people find sure. you out there online? Uh, I think I think uh, I'm pretty good, man. Pleased with what we talked about. Just uh, hope to see you on the track, man. Hopefully, uh, hope you see me go places. <laughs> For sure. So do you have uh, Instagram? What's your Instagram name? Yeah, I got uh, Nick or Nothing on Instagram and then Nick can sell on Facebook. Uh, I don't I don't do much Snapchat with people I don't know. So <laughs> well, let's keep it on uh, Instagram mainly. And what about uh, YouTube? Are you a video creator? Do you record your sessions or racing? Not yet. No, I haven't. I'm not really into that. I literally just bought myself a Mac Pro. So I'm starting to get into the more trying uh, social media. I do a lot of Instagram videos, like make cool little videos and stuff. Me and the buddies ride and stuff. But that's definitely something I feel like I need to get into more. So that way I get more people seeing me and probably help out my racing career. Yeah, sure. not a bad idea. So I'll get this edited and posted in the next week or two here. And I'll be sure to tag you in it. Um, I still have a few more podcasts to get to before I get to yours. Let's see. Um, Let's see. So I just released, I think, uh, number 110 with Jeff O'Berry. It's the second time we talked. He's a good friend of mine. Um, 111, Sophia Oberlander will be coming out after that. Then we got Chandler Slagle, a Moto America guy. Uh, Wesley Lakis. Um, he's another Motor America guy, Twins Cup, and then we got Nick and Sella 114 coming up after that. So it should be probably a, uh, close to a month, three weeks to a month, I think. Um, but um, I'm trying to keep them now staggered a week in a, in advance. So I got a couple in the queue, which is nice. I'm not always um, scrambling to get one recorded because I got a few. If someone cancels, it's not a big deal. Right. You know, right. I already have a few ready to go. So um, thanks again for talking. I'm sure I'll see you at the racetrack real soon. Maybe Gingerman. Absolutely. Sounds good, boss. Take care, man. Thank you again. Thanks. Have a good one.